if you heard a timer go off. Thanks. Thanks for setting yourself a timer that's funny. Um, there's no rush. Thank you so much. We are really looking forward to the fruit that God will bear. He's called us to abide in Him and to bear fruit. And one of the ways we bear fruit, and we, we bear all the fruits of the Spirit, but one of the ways we bear fruit is by leading others to know Jesus Christ as well. So we are looking forward to the fruit that God will bear as we abide in Him and share His Word with others. Turn your Bibles to John 15. We're continuing on. This is Jesus' last time speaking or teaching His disciples. This is the final discourse in John where He's instructing His disciples. He's getting them ready because He is going away. They've experienced that shock of him saying he was going away, and they wondered, how can we do it? And he says, you can do it by abiding in me. And then now he's continuing to prepare them for his departure and what it's going to look like for them. So let's read this in John 15, verses 18 through 16, 4. If the world hates you, know that it's hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours, but all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they've seen and hated both me and the father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for giving us these final words, these sobering words, these words of warning so that we would be prepared. Father, as we hear these words, though, I pray that we would be encouraged by knowing that that these things should not take us by surprise, by encouraged by knowing that you knew in advance about all the things that we would suffer and undergo by being your disciples. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged by knowing that you are with us. We would be encouraged by the fact that you loved us enough to prepare us. And I pray that you would help everyone who is here to hear you through your word, by your Holy Spirit. God, would you enable me to to preach your word? I am desperate, Lord, as always. Would you empower my words by your spirit? 
so that they might be your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there was a British general. He was not very well loved, but he made a final speech right before Rommel's Africa Corps was going to attack his troops in Africa, General Sir Bernard Montgomery. He's not normally known as the great leader. He was speaking to his demoralized troops. He was preparing them because they had one final chance to repel Rommel's troops in Africa. And he told them, he says, here we will stand and fight. And you think, this is going to be a rousing, rousing speech. He says, here we will stand and fight. He says, there will be no further withdrawal. I have ordered that all plans and instructions dealing with further withdrawal are to be burned and at once. We will stand and fight here. If we can't stay here alive, then let us stay here dead. It wasn't the most inspiring speech, but it was realistic. It did prepare them for what was coming. It, it helped prepare them for the reality that they needed to stand no matter what. No matter what came, they must stand even if they died. Thankfully, they went on to defeat Rommel's Africa Corps on August 13, 1942. Not sure if it was the speech that inspired them or not, but they were prepared They were prepared to not run away. They knew that that was not an option, that giving up was not an option, withdrawal was not an option. You see, he knew that he had to prepare his troops for what was coming. Because if they were shocked by what was coming, they might turn away. Jesus here, he has been speaking to his disciples about the fact that he is going away, that he is not going to be with them any longer. He has been preparing them all along. He's been telling them that that if they abide in him and, and he abides in them, that, that he'll be with them, that, that their mission really is to bear fruit by loving one another, and that at the end of that, he says, but as you're doing this, as you're loving one another, you're bearing fruit by loving one another, you're going to face hatred. And there's some irony here. As, as, as you are believers, disciples of Jesus Christ, you're, you're bearing fruit, you're loving one another, you are going to face hatred. And so he's telling them, Don't be surprised when the world doesn't respond well to you loving one another. Don't be surprised, even though they will know you're my disciples by your love for one another, don't be surprised when they hate you for it. Now, he's not talking about hating for the fact that some Christians are obnoxious. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about hating people because they're annoying or hating people because they're trying to be annoying. He's not talking about hating people for having bad behavior. He's talking about hating people because they are loving like Jesus. And what he's saying is don't be shocked when you're loving like Jesus. This is your calling. You are called to go and make disciples, to love like Jesus. But don't be shocked because when you love like this, you're going to be hated. He says the world will hate you, but you can remain by remembering. That's the main gist of what he's trying to get across to his disciples is that the world is going to hate you, but you can remain in him by remembering. And he, he says at the very end, he says, I've told you this thing so that you might not fall away. You can remain in me. He's been talking about being a part of the vine. He doesn't want us to fall away from the vine. So he says, here is what I want to prepare you for. I'm going to prepare you for what's going to happen. The world's going to hate you, but you can remain by remembering. Now, when he talks about the world, he doesn't just mean all the people on the planet. He doesn't just mean that all the people in the cosmos... He's using this in contrast to those who are called to love one another 
Those who do not love Jesus are those who were in the world. He provides context in, the, in this passage because he says that his disciples have been called out of this world. His disciples are those who are not to live like the world. His disciples are those who are in contrast to those who are hating Jesus, those who are opposed to Jesus, those who have rejected Jesus. So the world here is all those who reject Jesus, all those who oppose Jesus, including religious people who reject and oppose Jesus. Later on in 1 John, the same person who wrote the Gospel of John then wrote an epistle, a letter to the followers of Jesus. And in 1 John 3.10, John explains it's clear who the world is. He says those who are, those who are children of the devil. He's just, in, in the Gospel, Jesus just said that the devil is coming. And John helps explain, well, yes, all those who are children of the devil are those who are in the world. He says, by this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And then in verse 13, he says, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. The world is all those who don't practice righteousness. The world is those who don't love their brothers. And he says, don't be surprised. Jesus is saying this. Don't be surprised at the fact that when you're loving, the world's going to be hating. But he wants us to know, he wants us to be prepared, that if you're connected to Jesus, if you are connected to Jesus, if you are abiding in the vine, you might be crucified. It doesn't sound like the most uplifting message, does it? It doesn't sound like the most uplifting way to prepare your followers. But Jesus did not want his followers to be surprised because the Christian life is a cruciform life. You see, the call to follow Christ is the call to take up your cross and follow him. And so what he's saying is, if you're connected to me, you might be killed. You might be crucified. The world didn't love Jesus. The world won't love his followers. Jesus is actually reassuring them that they are in good company. He says, you're in good company. Hey, they hated me. If you're following me, they're going to hate you also. So if they're hating you because you are loving one another, because you're living like I'm telling you, then here's some good news. You're going to suffer because that means you're in me. You're united in Christ. Our union with Christ is wonderful. Our union with Christ says all these wonderful things that we've been united with Christ and so therefore we are righteous in Him. We've been united with Christ, therefore we'll be resurrected with Him. We're united in Christ, therefore we will never be separated from Him. But you know what else it means is that because we're united with Christ, we will suffer like Christ. And that's what he tells us in this passage. If the world hates you, it hated me first. Take heart, you're not alone. That is a sign that you're following the Savior. If they hate you because you're loving one another and bearing fruit, however imperfectly, the world's going to hate you because it means you're following Jesus. Look down at verse 19. He says, if you were of the world. So in contrast, he's telling his disciples, you're not of the world, but if you were, the world would love you. And what he's saying here is that's a warning. Beware if you're in the world and you're not experiencing opposition. Be aware that if you're in the world and the world loves you of what that could mean. He says, if you were of the world and the world would love you as its own. But then he reassures them and says, but because you are not of the world, look in verse 19, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. If the world loves us, then something might be wrong 
with us, and we might need to check to make sure we're not of the world, not assimilating. In fact, John later, he would write another book called The Revelation of Jesus Christ, where he would, he would warn them through Jesus. Jesus gave them direct words about not assimilating to the things of the world, not, not giving in, not giving up. Similar themes are found here. If we don't stand out as being a Christian by the way that we love one another and love our neighbor as ourselves, then this is meant to be a wake-up call. We might need to change. Now, by God's grace, in this country, we don't face a lot of opposition yet, but I think it's coming. The time's coming. Don't be surprised. Don't fret. Don't panic. That's what Jesus is telling his disciples here. Don't be surprised, but don't, don't panic. Don't think something's wrong here. Don't act like the world is ending or, oh no, this is out of God's hands, this is out of God's control. Jesus is telling them these things so that they don't worry, so they don't panic, they don't fall away. And that's why he's telling us these things here too. But you have to wonder if we are without scars, are we following Jesus? Because he says that all those who seek to live a godly life will encounter suffering. There's a lady named Amy Carmichael. She spent 53 years as a missionary in India. She endured that entire time, many difficulties, many trials, much suffering. She stayed in India for 53 years straight, unlike many other missionaries at the time. They come back for furloughs. There's nothing ungodly about coming back for furloughs, but she stayed there and endured, and she bore much fruit. She came back to England and everybody just wanted to say, hey, what's the secret, Amy? What was the secret of your, of your missions and what was the secret of you going there? And, and her answer was that, that she endured suffering for Christ and yet Christ worked through his words. Christ worked through her words as she shared his words. And yet a lot of them turned away because they didn't want to endure suffering because it wasn't an easy message to hear. So she wrote a a poem for those who were inquiring about what it meant to be a missionary. Was it glamorous? Was it full of romance and going to another country? And Whoa, this is going to be great, wonderful. And so she wrote this poem. She says, Hast thou no scar, no hidden scar on foot or side or hand? I hear thee sung as mighty in the land. I hear them hail thy bright ascendant star. Hast thou no scar? Hast thou no wound? Yet I was wounded by the archers, spent, leaned me against a tree to die and rent. By ravening beasts that compassed me, I swooned. Hast thou no wound? No wound? No scar? Yet as the master shall the servant be, and pierced are the feet that follow me. But thine are whole, can he have followed far? Who has no wound or scar? So she was trying to get across the message that if you're living in a way that's in conformity to the world, if you have no scar, can you really be following him? Jesus is saying those things too. He's saying if, if you were of the world, the world would love you. But then he tells them, but you're not of the world. Don't live like that. You're not of the world. You're not of the world. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, he says you've been chosen out of the world. We're not morally superior because of some intrinsic worth on our own or because we, we knew better to follow Jesus. It's no, because he's chosen us. We, we've been chosen out of the world. It's a truth that's both meant to humble us and to give us confidence. It's a truth that's meant to give us hope that we're not of the world, 
so we can live in him abiding in christ we can remain we can stay close to jesus because we're not of the world we don't belong to him but we need to know that the the world might hate us because of his name d.a carson i love the way he puts he says rebels who have by the grace of the king been one that's supposed to be w-o-n been one back to loving allegiance to their rightful monarch are not likely to prove popular with those who persist in rebellion. When I was in elementary school all the way through middle school, I was in a Christian school. It was a good school. They were preparing me all to learn about God and how to to live for Him in the world. But what I wasn't prepared for was what the world would look like, what the world would be like in the opposition that I would face. I was totally unprepared. I had no idea for the opposition I would face. I had no idea how to handle the things of the world. And so when, when that opposition came, when ridicule came, when, when I was an outcast in ninth grade, I adapted. Now, I didn't adapt well. I adapted poorly. At first, I withdrew. And then I thought, no, I'm, I, I began to assimilate to the things of the world. I began to give in. I began to to suddenly look like the world. And you know what? I was accepted. I, I became loved by the world. And yet, I don't believe I was following Christ. Yet God graciously chose me. He graciously called me. He graciously didn't leave me there. If that's you, he's not left you there. He's calling you. He's graciously calling you and, and wooing you and saying, no, live like me because I have called you out of the world. Don't live like the world. They're going to hate you. Those who persist in rebellion are going to hate you. You're not going to prove popular if you are loving your rightful monarch. And the world's going to hate you because of his name. Look in verse 21, it says, but all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. We experience hatred and persecution for the world, from the world for having Jesus your master. The reason is because of the name of Jesus who you follow. And also the world will hate you because if you are in Jesus, you're united to him. Your very presence, living like Jesus, will expose sin. Your very presence will reveal sin just like Jesus revealed sin. And in, in, in verse 22, look in your Bibles. He says, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they've seen and hated both me and my father. And Jesus is saying that if you are speaking my words, if you're doing my works just like me, they're going to hate you. And it's because the truth of Jesus the righteous life of Jesus, it revealed the guilt and condemnation of those around him. The world doesn't want to submit to God. The world doesn't naturally want to submit to Jesus. And Jesus is saying, if you are living in this way, it's going to confront them. They either can reject Jesus, reject you, or they can respond to Jesus. But the problem is the truth of Jesus exposes the fact that the world wants to live for itself. And Jesus makes people uncomfortable with their sin. The truth of Jesus reveals the sin of the world and the responsibility before God. And the truth of Jesus removes all excuses for sin. 
all the miraculous works that Jesus did, they actually testified of what Jesus said, that it was true. They didn't like that. They didn't want to believe it because if, if all that Jesus said was true, that meant they were guilty. That meant they had to give up living for themselves. They had to repent. They had to submit to Jesus. And by nature, we are rebels who do not want to submit. And Jesus is saying, if you're living like him, you're going to encounter the same thing. If you're preaching the gospel, expect that people won't like the message. People won't want to hear. They won't want to hear the bad news about themselves. And, and they'll hate Jesus without cause. They hated Jesus without cause. And just like they hated Jesus without cause, look in verse 25. It says, the word that is written in the law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. And likewise, as you're following Jesus, they will hate you without cause. Now, hopefully that is without cause, right? Hopefully you're not giving people to, to cause to hate you because you're being a jerk. But you see, Jesus lived a perfect life, and it said they hated me without cause. And when he's saying that, he's actually quoting a, a psalm. He's quoting Psalm 69, where it, it's a messianic psalm that, that talks, he, he quoted it earlier in John, when he says, zeal for your, my father's house consumes me. And he quotes it here again. Psalm 69, he says, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there's no foothold. I've come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. I'm weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me, who attack me with lies. Then in verse 6, he says, Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me, O Lord God of hosts. Let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me. For it is for your sake that I borne reproach that dishonor has covered my face. I've become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. And as Jesus is quoting these words, it must have been in the, the mind of his disciples that that meant they too would face hatred without cause. They too would face rejection. They too would face the things that their Savior faced because he says, if I'm your master, then you can expect to follow in, in my footsteps. If you're a servant of Jesus, you can expect to follow in his footsteps. And, and look down at verse 2 of, of chapter 16. He says, in fact, some, some bad things are going to happen to you. They're going to put you out of the synagogues, he says. And, and the hour is coming when people who kill you will think that they're offering service to God. Now, for them, getting kicked out of the synagogues would have meant being excommunicated. It would have meant being put out of polite society. It would have meant being separated from their friends, their family, their community. It would have meant being away from people so that they were shunned. Not about you, but I don't like that idea. I don't like the idea of being rejected. I don't like the idea of being put out of polite society. And that's a temptation for each and every one, especially as the world around us is loud with voices and opinions that are contrary to God. He says, actually, people who kill us will think that they're offering service to God. Now, that is specifically talking about religious leaders there, but in reality, it's, it's, it's not just religious leaders. Today, there are voices that say that, that Christians need to be kicked out of polite society because they think it's actually for good. They think they're doing good, a noble thing. They're blinded, and it says they do those things because people don't know God and they don't know Jesus. In verse 3, he says, they will do these things because they've not known the Father, or me. Now, 
As you're reading this passage, all those if statements, you think, okay, if, that might not really happen, but then all these you will, they will do these things to you. You will experience these things. They will do these things. Disciples of Jesus shouldn't be surprised and think that these things are outside of God's control. They shouldn't think that God is not able to help or somehow it's a failure on God's part. It's in fulfillment of the very scriptures that God gave. He says, no, they will hate me without cause. They're going to hate you without cause. He's telling them, you'll suffer. You will have scars. You might be crucified. But here's the good news. If you're connected to Christ, you can remain by remembering. If you're connected to Jesus Christ, you can remain by remembering. He wasn't telling them these things to scare them. He was telling these things to reassure them so they wouldn't be confused as if suffering is somehow outside of God's plans. You see, many people tell a Christian message that's not really a Christian message at all. They, they, they say they're proclaiming the gospel and what they're proclaiming is man-centeredness when they're saying that, hey, come to Jesus and he'll make your life good. Come to Jesus and he'll make you healthy. He'll make you wealthy. Come to Jesus. He'll make everything all right. Jesus says, come to me, take up your cross, and follow me. But he promises life everlasting. If you're connected to Christ, you remain by remembering. You might be thinking, why in the world did I come here today? (laughs) Oh my goodness, how in the world is this encouraging? Because most of us come because we want to hear a word from God. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, one of the reasons you come to church is because you want to hear from God. You, you also need to be encouraged. We need to know how to make sense of things. We also come because we don't want to fall away. And, and that's precisely the reason why Jesus is sharing these words. He's, he's sharing these words with us, and they're timely words. And I think they're timely words for our church in our day, in this time of confusion in the world all around us. Opposition's ramping up because this is a good word. We need to know that God is in control, that God is not surprised by these things. This is a part of his plan, so don't think that somehow God has abandoned you or left you or doesn't love you when you suffer because he loved his son who he ordained to suffer and to bring salvation through suffering. And so as we follow him, we should expect that we're going to suffer like him. But as he's raised Christ from the dead and, and the path of salvation went through suffering, so is our path of salvation through suffering. If the world hates you, remember who you belong to. He's your master. We're his servants. Look in verse 20. Go back to verse 20 again. It says, remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. Here's the really good news in that. You have a master if you are experiencing persecution for living for Jesus as you're communicating the gospel, bearing fruit, however imperfectly. Here's the good news. That means you have a master. It is validation that you are serving Jesus. He says that they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Now here's some other good hope. This is why we share the gospel, by the way. Not to be persecuted, but we share the gospel because we know that some actually will respond. Why? Because we know that God is actually able to enable people to respond. Now the reality is, people are responsible for rejecting God. You might wonder, why does does God not save everyone because people reject God they don't want God just like Judas refused the love of the Savior so too people refuse his love and yet look in verse 20 it says if they kept my word 
they will also keep yours. There is hope in these words. In the midst of this, our mission is to go and make disciples. And yet, we know that if they kept Jesus' words, there's hope that they might respond and keep His words too. The good news of His kingdom, the good news of the King that we proclaim, might be kept by some as some kept the word of our King. And here's the other good news. If you're connected to Christ, you can remember you can remember that all this is in God's control. All this is a part of God's plan. You can remember that just like they kept Jesus' word, they might keep our word as we share His word. But we can also remember something that we're not alone. Remember who is with you. If the world hates you, remember who's with you. Look in verse 26. It says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about Me. You are not alone. Remember you're not alone. Remember you have a Helper. And remember that the Helper is the Spirit of truth. He will enable you to know the truth. He'll actually going to enable you to communicate the truth because He is bearing witness. He's bearing witness now. He's bearing witness in other people's hearts. He's bearing witness about Jesus in you and through you. So when you face persecution and hatred, you can take confidence knowing that you have a Helper. You have a helper that's from the Father, God Almighty. He's the Spirit of truth. You know what to say when the lies of the world seem convincing and overwhelming. You need the Spirit of truth. And you have the very empowerment of the Spirit who proceeds from God the Father. And here's the other good news. In verse 27, he says, You will bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. If you are in Him, you're abiding in Jesus, you're going to bear witness. Opportunities are going to come. And when they do, you know that you have the Holy Spirit with you. Now, why did Jesus tell him all these things? Why, in, in his final moments, right before he was going to go away, why did he tell him these things? Because he wanted them to be prepared. Look down in, in verse 1 of chapter 16. He says, I have said all these things to keep you from falling away. These are the very means of grace that would keep us from falling away by remembering whose we are by remembering that all this is actually not a surprise to God, that it's not outside of His plans, that it doesn't mean He's displeased with us. In fact, it could mean that He's very pleased with us. Remember that we're not alone, that the Helper is with us. Remember that His Word will bear fruit. He will bear witness through us. After Jesus went to be with the Father, they would be tempted to give up or give in to the family culture. They would feel like they're alone. They need to know that they're not alone. They'd be tempted to take the easy way out to fall away from the vine. They'd be tempted when they were kicked out of polite society and be deemed unacceptable to gather with their people. How were you tempted? Where are you tempted? He says, I told you these things that you won't fall away. Listen, the greatest danger for somebody who claims to be a Christian who is a follower of Jesus Christ is not dying. Let me just dispel that myth. The worst thing that can happen to you is not suffering and dying. It's falling away. And Jesus says, I'm telling you these things so that you don't. These are the very means of grace that you might not fall away. Remind yourself of what's true. Remind yourself of whose you are. Remind yourself that this is part of God's plan. Through suffering comes salvation. Remind yourself that you're not alone. Remind yourself that your witness will be affected by the Holy Spirit. Remind yourself of the fact that you are in Him, that He's chosen you. 
Look in verse 4, he says, I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, and by the way, the hour is coming if it's not already, you might remember that I told them to you. He says, I didn't say these things to you when I was with you, but now that I'm not going to be with you, you need to remember these things, and that's true for us. We don't see Jesus physically because he's not physically here with us, but he's here with us through his Holy Spirit. He's saying, remember that. Now, next week, we get to hear all about the Holy Spirit and what it means to have the Holy Spirit with us and follow the Holy Spirit and have him as our helper. But today, you need to hear the comfort from knowing that suffering and persecution, even being killed for the sake of Christ, they're not surprises to God. They're not outside of his plan. It is not because he's unloving. Just like he loves his son, he loves you who are in his son. Those things aren't good. In fact, suffering, persecution, death, they're, they're bad. And all those who persecute and cause Christians to suffer and kill will themselves pay the consequences. But the good news is that this persecution doesn't stop God's plan. It doesn't thwart God's plan, even if we don't understand why God allows it. But just like the Son perfectly fulfilled the Father's plan for salvation through suffering and death, we get to follow in His footsteps, and He's going to fulfill His plan through us. What a privilege it is to know that His plans will succeed, as they did for Jesus. So God's plans are going to prevail for all His disciples. As Jesus has been glorified, so too will we be glorified. Our union with him does not end here. Our union with him remains. And in fact, the Apostle Paul tells us that we already consider ourselves as united with him, alive with him, ruling and reigning with him. As Jesus has been glorified, so too we will be glorified and united with the Father. It's also comforting to know that the Holy Spirit the one who is the very Spirit of God Almighty, He is our helper. He's with us. He'll speak truth to us when we're hated and persecuted us. He's never going to leave us. He's going to help us. He's going to sustain us. He'll remind us of the truth even when we're cast out of polite society. And He's going to keep us from falling away. We can find assurance in knowing that we're not of the world, just like Jesus is not of the world. Remind yourself, wait a minute, if I'm struggling with the fact that the world doesn't love me, that's actually good because I'm not of the world. I was never meant to be loved by the world. I'm I'm, I'm of a different kingdom. I belong somewhere else. I belong to someone else. I belong to the king and not this kingdom. When the world hates you, testify. When the world hates you, don't fall away. When the world hates you, remember so you can remain. We too must stand. We must not withdraw. We must remain. We must not fall away. But unlike what General Montgomery told his men, even if we die here, we won't stay dead. See, he said, even if we die, we'll, we'll stay dead here. No, we won't stay dead because we're united with Christ. Because we're one with him and he did not stay dead and so too we will be raised. Give him the band come up and let's sing. Let's pray.